Hey everybody, this is Nubia. And I'm Francis. We are your dynamic duo of Chronicles Abroad. As always, our goal is to inspire you to travel with passion and purpose. Now let's get on with the show. Hello beautiful people, welcome to Chronicles Abroad. It's a podcast show that uses travel to highlight stories of personal growth. So each week we'll spotlight the stories of courageous world travelers, creative wanderers, and digital nomads who share their incredible experiences of the world through their eyes. If you like traveling, this is what you need. Welcome to Chronicles Abroad. I'm Francis. And I'm Nubia. And today we have a very unique show for you. We are chatting with Liz. Liz is actually a marathon runner. She took to running about six years ago when she was living in Tokyo, where she didn't know the language, and which I'm very familiar with because I lived in Japan for a little bit. Um, and she took running as a way to just grapple with her father's recent passing. Uh, so she decided to combine her love of running with her passion for travel and just deep exploration of other cultures. So in 2019, uh, Liz launched Run to Reach, an 18-month marathon fundraising campaign with the goal of running 30 marathons in 30 countries. Talk about a badass before turning 30 in June of 2020. Her goal is to raise $100,000 to support local women empowerment organizations in each country. That's insane. And in the final months of her run, she's actually set to to undertake some of the more challenging runs in Afghanistan, Sierra Leone, Yemen. So we are like excited to chat with you. This is, we've never actually had a conversation like this. And um, welcome Liz and thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Oh my gosh. So, okay. Let's just start with, you have already about 26 thousand five hundred that's going towards your hundred thousand dollar goal which is great congratulations thank you thank you it was a very big goal I put ahead of myself but I'm still you know it's tough times now but I am still very optimistic that in these last few months too I can really push donations so uh let's see yeah well guess what we have all the faith in the world that you are going to reach that hundred thousand dollar goal and that you will complete these 30 runs by then so I think this is so. a great goal. Congratulations on that. So let's Thank start. You so much. Let's go back to how this goal came to be. What was the premise behind it? And what was the aha moment that made you go, I want to do this? I So I actually came up with the idea during my honeymoon in September of 2018. I was definitely at a period of transition in my life with my career. I wasn't really feeling fulfilled. And I was sort of ready to embark on some kind of high-watted adventure. Also knowing that perhaps this could be the last time in my life I could really do this. You know, we decided to have kids with my husband. The idea just, it just came to me. I remember exactly the moment in time when it happened. I was in the car. It was sort of this moment of silence between me and my husband. And I just needed a really big goal in front of myself. And again, I felt like not so super excited to return to work after this this trip. And um, so I just decided, you know, I'm going to go for it. And again, sort of the idea really took shape once I came up with the partnering with all the different organizations during the, the challenge. So that's when it really took meeting and took shape. And I just decided to say yes to this crazy idea. Were you a runner beforehand or 
Is this something you kind of picked up when your father passed away? No, I mean, I had run a half marathon a few years before my father passed away, but I never considered myself a runner. If anything, I played the sport. It was called squash growing up. It's sort of this British sport. It's not super well known in the US, but that was sort of my sport growing up. And yeah, as soon as my father passed away, again, I just needed a big goal ahead of me. And I didn't know how to properly grieve for his death. I moved to Japan sort of on a whim. I found a job there and I just still felt like I wasn't, I had not found the outlet that was helping me go through this heavy grieving process and I signed up for the marathon. That became my outlet sort of running for a few hours every day. And I could tell how much more emotionally balanced I felt afterwards. So I was sort of all of these different ingredients coming into place that allowed me to go in this specific path. Well, you have a story that relates and is relatable to a lot of people, mm-hmm. especially you, Francis, because you went through a transition as well when your father passed and that's when you your journey actually began. So it's definitely a situation where you use the word transition, right? Which was which is a really prevalent and profound word because a lot of us sometimes feel like what's going on? I'm not feeling fulfilled. I'm feeling all scattered, blah, blah, blah. You're going through a transition. Mm-hmm. It's a period in your life where I would say your being is like, it's time for something else. It's time for something new. You're evolving, you're changing, your being is craving for whatever that is, that change is. So you were going through this transition at the same time you were trying to grieve. And please share your story, Francis, if you mind giving our audience a little bit about how you create, how your transition started through your grieving process as well. Yeah. I mean, then back in 2016, my father passed away unexpectedly. It wasn't anything that just kind of just happened and and everything just didn't matter at that point uh you know my father had all these dreams and he just didn't pursue them and i started thinking about myself just like anything when somebody passes away you start thinking about your own mortality and the kind of mark you want to leave on the earth the kind of things that you want to experience and i needed a way to feel alive again and so i decided to just buy this one-way ticket to thailand i didn't know anybody i didn't know anything i just kind of just left and I needed that. And I needed that space to grieve on my own, a space to kind of reinvent myself, my identity, and figure out the things that I really wanted yes. in silence without all the noise. And it wasn't easy because when you're yes. living abroad and you're grieving alone, it could be very scary. It could be very lonely and it feels very alienating. Yes. So I'm not sure if he felt that way as well, but so there were lots yes. of tears abroad <laughs> because no matter where you go, you always find yourself. So it really forced me to really take a deep look with, about myself and and travel yeah. basically healed me. I mean, I don't, you know, I always encourage people to do it, but it's not, obviously it's not for everyone. It can really isolate yourself. Absolutely. I could definitely Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is a beautiful story. I feel like, no, I relate to almost every single word that just came out of your mouth. So that's, that's so beautiful. Yeah. And, and you ended up staying there too in, in Thailand? Yeah. So, I mean, it was a little choppy. I, I went and taught, I got my TEFL and everything else. And then I stayed in Thailand for one, like a semester. I taught, came back to the States and I was like, Oh, I got to go back. <laughs> so I ended up overall, I was abroad for three years. I did nine months in Japan. Most of my time was in Thailand, just traveling all throughout Asia. Um, wow. so I definitely understand why you needed that. Um, yes. I mean, running, I mean, marathon running is deep. Okay. I did a half marathon like a long time ago and just the training alone takes hours on end. So it's like, yes. I'm curious to find out like, how'd you find the time to like the energy even. And I know like when you have, cause a hundred thousand dollars is your goal. 
which is an yes. amazing goal. But I always think yes. it's never the goal, but it's like who you have to become to actually reach that goal. Like what kind of person do you have to show up every day to evolve into that person that, you know, reaches that $100,000 goal. So the journey yes. is so much more powerful than the actual outcome, you know? So Absolutely. I'm curious just to hear more about like how you prepared and, I, you know, what kind of things did you have to balance, you know, whether it was work yeah. or even just, you know, yes. your relationship, your husband, all that stuff. So, yeah, I guess when I was training for my first race, it was uh, maybe a few months before I, I met my husband and I still had a full time job then. It was also in Japan, you work crazy hours, like at least 12 to 14 hour days, you know. Wait, can I? And, so uh, you met your husband in Japan? Yes. Oh my gosh. We got so many ways. Yeah. I love the, the, the love abroad stories. You know, yes. I do. I do. Yes. You're going to have to give us a little bit about how you two met as well. Yeah. No, I'll tell you the story. But, you know, I would go for these long runs at. 10 p.m. And again, it just, it was my release. I I knew once I found running and once I knew how I felt after I went for those long runs, like I didn't necessarily enjoy them while I was doing it, but that feeling afterwards, you just, I felt 50 pounds lighter, just all of this emotional baggage. And just, I think running too, you know, especially in our chaotic world where we're all operating at a million miles per hour, no matter if we're working from home or just there is a lot going on. I think running for me, it's, I can be fully present with my thoughts. It's just that moment where I just turn everything off. I'm zoned out. And it's when I actually start to process a lot of what I, what is going on in, in my head and in my life. And so it was crucial to my well-being at that point in my life. And, and then I think also training for this race again, at the time when I was training for my first marathon, I did not consider myself a runner. Like I, I think a lot of runners are so preoccupied with their timing and, and how fast they're going. And I never was like, for me, again, it was always this coping mechanism for my grief. And, and then I think, yeah, training for this 26 mile race, it just gave me this surge of confidence. It was sort of, you know, on one hand, allowing me to to process so much was what was happening. But on the, then on the other hand, it was like, wow, I'm I'm actually building up towards something really crazy that I didn't think I was capable of doing at all. Like I never really considered myself a, an athlete. And and so when I would tell people oh, I'm training for this marathon and see their reactions, it was sort of like, wow, I am potentially doing this this really wonderful thing for myself too. You know, we're more than just travel. We provide tips, resources, and hacks for the curious traveler in you. So whether you're a lover of travel or just someone who is ready for a change, we have something for everyone. Well, not just for yourself, right? Because, I mean, it starts with yourself. But like you said, when you mention to people that you're doing this, they light up. They're like, wow, because a lot of us don't feel like we can do something. And just to see yeah. somebody push through the endurance, I'm not going to lie. I tagged Francis in this like 10 push-up challenge, right? Yeah, so yeah. I had got nominated for it. And I was like, 10 push-ups? Psh, challenge accepted, right? Yeah, got yeah. on the music, got on my yoga pants. I'm like, all right, one. Two, girl, by five, six. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> listen, hard. listen, it took me a, really a few years to do even to. three push-ups, okay? <laughs> oh my gosh. And I just dropped at like six. And I was just like, you know, 
when I seen my friend doing those 10 push-ups, I was like, I got this. It's only 10 push-ups. But what I what I wasn't doing was being like, get it, girl. You did 10 push-ups. So yes. it wasn't until I tried that I was like, damn, that was difficult for me. I am so proud of her for accomplishing yes. it. And I'm proud yes. of myself for trying. You get what yes. I'm saying? Yes, and I, totally. So it is a full circle to see someone actually you know, succeed at something or aspire towards something as great as something that you're doing, you know? So it does radiate across like lands and seas and everything, right? The positive vibes, the motivation, the inspiration, because it's like, damn, I I would love to do something like that. So I was listening to you say something about like 10 PM runs, right? Where I'm in the bed by try to get me out the house after nine. Okay. It's not happening. It's just not happening. So I'm like 10 p.m. runs. Like, are you yeah. serious? Like, I just want to be cozy up in my bed by then. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then I make excuses. I'm like, if I haven't ran before 9 a.m., I'm not going out because I live in Mexico. So it yeah. gets hot. So yes. I'm like, well, it's too hot to go running now, I guess, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. A lot <laughs> of excuses. Doing it, but I think, when you have yeah. a, I think when you have a compelling vision, and I think that's where a lot of us struggle is that we don't have that compelling vision that pulls us forward. Yeah. And yes. we do that. I remember um, seeing this coach and his compelling vision is like, he wants to educate one million children. He doesn't know if he'll do it in his lifetime. But, you know, you have yeah. that goal that you could strive to. Yes. So the goal of having a size six body isn't compelling enough. No. I mean, if it's deep to your soul. (laughs) I mean, obviously not because I haven't done it, but whatever. That's what I have right now. She's a mess. You know. That's why I think having a race sort of ahead of you too, it's sort of like, it's like something, you know, almost palpable. It's almost like if you don't actually train for it, it's like you start getting stressed out and like, am I able to actually finish it? And so for me, like, having a race ahead of me is like the only way that I pull myself out the door, even though like, I know how good I feel after a run. It's really having that sort of like big goal of like either through a race or that really pushes me forward, I guess, too. Yeah, no, well, that's awesome. So let's talk about this husband of yours, girl. Let's talk. Yeah. How did you meet your man up I love, love, love story. So, yeah, I, so I had been in Japan for a year. I absolutely loved it there, but I still felt pretty lost, I think, professionally. So I was planning to move back to the U.S. I mean, this is, this always happens too. Like, it's like when you're about to move back or when you're about to leave, like it always happens during this time. So I had maybe like a week left in Tokyo. I'd given up my apartment. I was invited out by a group of friends, you know, they knew I was leaving. And of course, I go to this bar I used to go to every Friday night. And I see this, this man that and normally an expat scene there too, it's quite smaller, like you, you tend to see the same people all over the place. So I, I saw Mark, and I was like, I'd never seen him before. And we started chatting, I heard him speaking French. And I was like, Oh, he's French. Like, I don't know if I'm into that. <laughs> but then um, he told me he was from Lebanon. And I had just been to Lebanon maybe six months before then. So I was like, oh my gosh, I just went to Lebanon. And then he was like, who is this American girl that I'm meeting in Tokyo who'd just been to Lebanon? Like, anyways, long story short, I ended up staying in Japan for four more years. <laughs> and uh, wow. yeah, that so one um, we turned to four years. Yes. Meanwhile, yeah. we're like, I don't even know if I'm going to do something. <laughs> wow. 
Wow. Yeah. Is that what happened? Yes. He had lived in Japan before then, but he had just moved back. He's an architect and architecture there in Japan is quite big. So he had just moved back there to work for a small company. And, and then, yeah. And at the point too, I, like I said, I'd given up my apartment. So after like the first or second week, I just like casually moved in with him. I mean, just, wait, wait, wait. He's like casually. Just, you know, one day I had my toothbrush, then I had my suitcase. (laughs) But like, I literally didn't have any other place, you know, to go to or to live. And so, and it just, you know, from day one, it was so natural. Like we had known each other for years and, and, you know, like eventually we did hit some, some speed bumps and, you know, naturally as everyone does in any relationship. But yeah, it just, it, it sort of happened. And then I ended up three years ago moving to, to France to go back to school. And yeah, it was this tough period where do we stay in Japan or do we move abroad? And I had sort of, I was not necessarily done with Japan, but I was ready to move on to a new place. And so he, I finally convinced him to move here. So he, he moved here about like a year and a half ago, right when I decided to embark on this crazy journey and essentially travel for the next year. So it's been um, it's been a very so interesting time. In needless our relationship. to say that your relationship has been challenged a few times. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I think that's the beauty of it, though. When you can get through the challenges. I mean, yes. my thing is that I think sometimes people have like this fairy tale that it's always supposed to be beautiful. And that's not yeah. the case. Yeah. You know, everything in life ebbs and flows. Right. You just have to have optimism. You have to have faith and you have to have love for your partner enough to want to continue the journey through the challenges. Right. So Absolutely. you just make it work. I mean, yeah. you guys met overseas. Why? Yeah. So, you know, you guys obviously are travelers. That's a beautiful thing is to find another traveler. So absolutely, absolutely. Kudos to you, girl. I love these stories. Thank you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this in. I'm gonna be like, you know, I'm gonna pack my shit and I'm gonna leave and I'm gonna see if I find my partner in that week before I leave. <laughs> I mean. Honestly, I seriously feel like it's 90% chance that you just find because like it's when you're not looking as well. You're like, oh, I'm leaving this place. And then always like when, you know, when you're not really necessarily looking for that happens. So from the look on your face, it looks like you are the happiest thing. I love it. I love it. So I just wanted to pivot a little bit because I know part of this whole marathon run is is the social activism piece. Can you talk a little bit more about that and the organizations and the women that you're working with? Of course. So yeah, so when I started this project, I had already run 10 marathons. So Run to Reach is the final 20. And so in each of the final 20 countries, in which I would run, I exhaustively researched and found a women-focused organization in that country that I would be partnering with. And they're all local, meaning they're small to medium size. That was really a priority for me to find really cool almost like grassroots organizations that were making, they're having a very big impact in these communities. I didn't necessarily want to work for like a UNICEF, not to say that they, these big organizations don't do amazing work, but I really, it was personally very important for me to find small organizations that I could help, you know, raise awareness about and that I could really, that I could go there and I could meet them and sort of showcase their work. So that's really been, you know, the running aspect of Run to Reach of Courts is it's a very big component of the project, but the raising awareness, fundraising, and meeting with all these organizations, that's actually been the much larger part of the project itself. 
I think that's great. I mean, there's always a bigger purpose, you know, to reach out to smaller, like you said, grassroots organizations and to help just be a catalyst, a platform, you know, because you've grown your platform to where it is now and you're able to help others through that platform is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's just it's, it's the kindness that, you know, and the generosity, right, because mm-hmm. it doesn't hurt to literally build global relationships, yeah. <laughs> network, meet people. I mean, it's such a beautiful thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's a beautiful thing. Isn't that like, yeah. it's amazing when you think about where you were and how you were just working and just, you know, doing something to help yourself get through a tough time and how it's expanded to just being this world-class, really just motivating tool. It's amazing to look back and be like, wow, look where I am today. When you do that or have you done that recently to say like, wow, how do you feel? What's that that first word that comes to mind when you you look at where you are today from where you started? It's a loaded question. I mean, it's been an incredibly humbling experience. I feel very humbled to now have gotten this far in the challenge. I mean, I'm now only two marathons left to go before I wrap everything up. And I just, you know, for me, this was not, this journey was not at all an eat, pray, love kind of experience. I was not leaving my life and sort of escaping to find myself. If anything, really was sort of an exploration of how can I be truly empathetic in this world towards other people? You know, how can I go to these countries and really learn about their situations, meet really inspiring women who are just powerhouses and changing the communities that they live in, becoming leaders of change in these communities. And so, yeah, I think I just feel really humbled. And I feel like I am not personally going to these communities and making the change. It's the organizations. And that's what I I really hope when I am communicating about what I'm doing in my journey, it's that these are the people that are making the change. And I hope to just use my platform and whoever's following my journey to sort of see their work. But I think if anything, this this journey has given me a lot of hope. Seeing so many people, you know, again, small groups that are doing such big things. And um, if that's, you know, promoting women's health or when I was in Afghanistan, I was working with this one or- organization called Free to Run that provides safe spaces for Afghan women to run freely in public and train for races and sort of seeing these women who have been denied these rights that are often so often taken for granted by myself by women athletes around the world and just seeing these organizations that are empowering these women and really giving them the opportunity to rise up and exhaust their potential it's a truly I yeah, see it, it, it lights it you up it lights you up <laughs> yeah have you heard of um yeah. have you seen a TED talk but have you heard May El Khalil have you heard about her I haven't actually. So she's a woman who years ago, she got into this really, she used to run and she got into this really, really bad car accident. Like somebody hit her off the road. She had broken bones and everything else. And the doctor's like, you know, don't know if he can run again and all the stuff. So she, she healed herself. And what she did was she started the Beirut Marathon. In in an effort to bring peace between Lebanon and Syria. And so she literally made this huge marathon run for everybody. And mostly for the women who, like you just said, who aren't able to get involved in situations like like that, to be able to run and be athletes. And so the whole premise of that marathon run was to bring peace and bring... So you had people from all over participating in this who would never in a million years be caught dead next to each other. 
Do you know what I mean? So no. it just made me think about that. And, and it's a wonderful TED Talk. So if you ever have a moment. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to thank you so much oh, for, no for sharing yeah. it. I'm sure and she sounds sure amazing. Put that in the show notes for sure. So tell us, you're now 28 marathons in. Crazy. Yes. Are you that serious? <laughs> my knees would have been like, nope, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was going to be my question. Talk about some of the challenges or the most challenging locations that yes. you had to run in and the things that you were faced and how you how you overcame. I mean, there there have definitely been some interesting stories. So I went to Afghanistan in October against my mother's wishes. Amazing place to travel to in this one specific region called Bamyan. I mean, it, it was truly a life-changing trip for me just because it challenged any notion of what I had, obviously, of, of Afghanistan. And that was an amazing experience running with all these Afghan women runners who were just these powerful, fierce women. I went straight from there afterwards to Cote d'Ivoire, which um, the Ivory Coast, which I was so excited about because, again, I knew nothing about this country. I knew no one who had traveled there before. And it was a few days before the race. I went to go pick up my bib and they were like, oh, you know, actually this year we decided to not let women run the full marathon. I was just like, I just came from Afghanistan where women literally are not allowed to exercise outside. And and here I am in this very progressive, it was in the capital city of Abidjan. And I was just totally shaken. And again, because so much my campaign is really focused around women's rights and, and women empowerment, I just stood there and I, I couldn't believe that, you know, and even some of the excuses they were telling me, oh, you know, last year, some women tried to run the race and they couldn't finish it. And it was just like, you're digging yourself in an even deeper hole. Yeah. I mean, that was a really difficult period. I had to fight for two days and lay some lay down some law and even make few threats like in there too. And, um, but you know, besides, I mean, these are all learning experiences for me and it's just, I was able to run. Mm. I was able to run. It was not a very pleasant race because again, the race director really, really didn't want me to run this race. And I even got to mile 13 and I crossed paths with the race organizer and he was just screaming at me. He's like, you're the one that caused us so much, you know, trouble. And it was not pleasant, but it still, I felt really happy to cross that finish line knowing that I was not necessarily wanted there or, and I think too, seeing women on the sidelines and they were sort of like, wow, you know, this, I think I was one of maybe four women who ran the marathon there. It was just really interesting also to see their, you know, their reaction to seeing other, you know, women run the full race. But I mean, it's a great metaphor to like what women have to deal with on a regular basis and how we have to always fight to get a position in society. You know, it's like, constantly even run exercise i know it's crazy like what you hear so far make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now this podcast is made possible by listeners like you we thank you for your support be sure to subscribe rate and leave a review now back to the show And it was just funny too because i was even beating some of the men who were running the race and so it's kind of just like like (laughs) you know yeah it just it was um it definitely that experience shook me and I think again it was you know coming from Afghanistan where it literally 
that is like the one place in the world that is the most difficult to run as a woman, I think. And then coming to this very progressive city and then not being told I wasn't allowed to run. When I had registered online, like everything was was all in place uh, to run that race. So I'm wondering, but, had you not yeah. gone through the Afghanistan experience, would you have been able to speak up the way you did at, at Cote d'Ivoire, do you think? or? You know, I think I would have because also I had spent already a week and a half in Cote d'Ivoire with the NGO, traveling around a bit. And so again, I felt like I had this huge connection to the country at that point. I, you know, I was fundraising for the NGO there. And so I felt like I had a right to run. And because, you know, all of these races are set up, they're planned. It's really hard for me also to find a different race to run. I mean, even just financially, like budgeting all of these different trips. And so I was like, hell no, I'm not going to leave this country and not run this race just because you're not like, I'm not going to run a half marathon when I can just run the full. Like there's just no reason, legitimate reason for that. So I think I would have just because there's so much at stake. You know, again, I've given my all with um, working with the organization there. So It amazes me how people are so afraid of giving women the power to be able to be themselves. And I don't understand, you know, and this goes back for generations. And here we are in 2020 and we still have to fight. And I mean, even in America, we still have to fight for equality, for, you know, equal rights pay and things like that. You know, you said something where you was like, I was even beating out some of the men. That's the fear. They didn't want to be seen as inferior to a female instead of just being like, wow, she's doing great. And it it really is disheartening and it's, it hurts, you know, it does hurt that why it's not like we're trying to take away someone's position. We just want to show that we can be just as great. And Absolutely. you should support us in that, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because as a male, I mean, you wouldn't be here without us. I know. <laughs> we could be Absolutely. great having you, but we can't be great standing beside you. That doesn't make sense to me. At all. And especially since they're really trying, especially like marathons in cities now, it's sort of like it's a lot of countries are trying to organize marathons because it's promoting their country is promoting their city. And I think that's when I finally, you know, when I was fighting with them to allow me to run, I was like, if this breaks loose, that Abby Jean d'Ivoire, you know, prevented international women runners to participate in this year's race, when you allowed me to register in the first hand, like this is going to look really bad on your end. And like, it's going to have a huge ripple effect. And I think that almost is what like made them allow me to run. But yeah, I mean, you're hundred percent right. It was completely disheartening. And I think it also came down to the fact that they didn't want to give me, like if I were to actually win, they didn't want to give prize money to women. I think that was also a huge reason why they just didn't want women to run that year is because they just didn't want to give them any prize money. So it's just, yeah, yeah it's I disheartening. Mean- I mean, there were a few Ivorian women that ran that race. So I hope that they in the next years, you know, fight for their right to continue to run because I'm, I am scared that they're going to continue to give them a hard time about it. But I'm hopeful. I'm like I marathon running around the world is taking off now. And I see like a lot of women runners just, you know, in countries that you wouldn't normally 
expect to see them. Like even I just did a marathon a, a month ago. It was now in um in Somalia in Somaliland, and it's also a pretty conservative society. And again, it was the third marathon this year. They did not want women to run, and like the sports federation there gave the marathon organizers a really hard time letting women run, but. But they, you know, I think it was 60 women, um, Somali women ended up running the race. And it's just, they are, these women are using running as sort of as their weapon of change to pave the path for future women athletes to participate in these kind of events. And it, it is, you know, it's incredibly inspiring. It's, you can see it from one angle as it being hard to wrap your head around the fact that women wouldn't be allowed to do this. Or I feel like I choose it. I choose seeing it as... I mean, damn, these women are strong and they're brave and most of the men around them do not want them to do this and do not feel like they are capable of doing this. So it is really amazing to see it um, sort of happen live before you. Well, I mean, you said you said it right. Like you could focus on the thousands of women that can't run or the, the 60 or the four that are out there really bravely, you know, yes. doing this thing because it, it's it's a scary thing because... Yes. You don't know how people, how these men are going to react, you know, Yes. or how Absolutely. some random stranger is going to react to you being a woman doing this run. So kudos yes. to you and all these women who are out there really kind of like defying the odds and making this thing happen. I'm also curious about a few things. So right now, yes. obviously we're in the state of the Corona and depending on where this, <laughs> when this episode yes. is, is, is uh, published, but you have two more runs left. How is this yes. situation impacting those last? two runs we want to make sure you'll never miss a show so be sure to swing by our website at chroniclesabroad.com where you can subscribe via itunes spotify or google Podcasts. while you're at it we'll appreciate a rating on itunes or if you simply tell a friend or five about the show that will help us out big time we'd love to have you join our growing facebook community Yes, y'all. We finally opened up our group called Chronicles Abroad Collective. This is the name of the group. This is where we share tips, resources, and encouragement. If you love the episodes, then you'll love the community even more. Simply click the join button. Can't wait to see you guys there. I mean, again, and I had so much planned for these last few months. I mean, as we all did. And that's why I, I choose not to really complain about any of this because, again, we're all in this crazy situation right now. But I was supposed to run um, a race in Greece in April. It got canceled. And then my final marathon was supposed to be on Everest in May. I had a film crew supposed to follow me there. Um, some really big, exciting things happening. All canceled now. So... I'm in the middle of trying to plan a virtual marathon for my 29th race. It probably won't be in a different country. It'll probably just be wherever I am. And then I'm hoping actually to partner with an organization that is supporting small women-led, women-run businesses during the sort of crisis COVID-19 period. I'm not sure what will what will be my final race. I'm determined to find to really wrap it up because a lot of people told me, oh, you know, it'll be okay or it would be okay if you just postponed this mission. Obviously, it's out of your control. Even if you didn't complete the 30 marathons before you turn 30 in June, like that's okay. But I really am going to try to to creatively finish up this project in, in some way, I hope, by June. I love this little virtual idea. You know, one thing about the 
COVID-19 situation, yes, it's it's a very disturbing situation. And how I think what's more disturbing is how the countries are reacting to the situation or how late in the game the countries reacted to the situation, which caused a lot of mass hysteria. Yes. Um, but when we look at the brighter side of the coin, right, we're coming together virtually a yes. lot of times. Just last night, on Instagram, there was a DJ who was rocking a global party and had over a thousand, a hundred thousand people from around the world rocking to the music on Instagram. Yeah. That is so cool. Ellen, Michelle Obama, I mean, Oprah, I mean, all types of actors, actresses, you know, singers and stars and athletes and, and people just having one good time you know, and enjoying music that brings, yes. you know, because music brings people together. And also, you know, it brings out the creativity. Like you said, I'm going to look at doing something more creatively. Like it, it gets yes. your wheels turning when you're faced with no other options. You're like, well, you know what? I have this determination. I have this goal. Yes. Let me figure out a way to do it. Yes. So it's time to dive deep and look into the holistic perspective of travel. We believe traveling is an investment in you. So our mission is to inspire you to book that flight, check that item off your bucket list and go on that adventure. And our hope is to ignite connections all over the world. And on top of that, our earth is healing. Let's just be honest. Yes. No more pollution. Yes. The pollution, you know, like even yes. in China, the pollution is like next 70% gone. Like, wow. You know what I mean? The streets, things cleaner. And I, th- yes. and I just believe like the waters. Every, mm-hmm. every couple of years, the earth will reset itself in different ways. And unfortunately, there's some casualties that go alongside it. But, you know, yes. I feel like this is a time and, and as much as we want to focus on being really sad and everything else, but I feel like it's kind of like a catch-22, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a paradox, but I feel like we needed this. We needed to be reminded how interconnected we are. Like, we need each other, you know, right now, yes. you know, when people yes. think about like, oh, you know, maybe the rich people don't care. They have this idea that, you know, but now, you know, everybody on top is dependent on, quote unquote, those on the bottom, right? So it's, yes. it's a reminder yes. of the people that we need to help yes. make this society a, a wonderful place to, to be in. So yeah, and utilize our technology in the best yes. way possible. I mean, yes. seriously, like this virtual movement is yes. serious. It's it popping. Then <laughs> okay, Zoom, Skype, like all of it. I've got a I'm not gonna lie. I kind of wish I bought some Zoom stock. I was like, damn it. I know. I, know. <laughs> I was looking at the stock and I was like, man. <laughs> I know, I know. And Netflix is on top. I mean, oh my you know God. What I mean? So, yes, yeah. It's just that virtual watch party that they do is super freaking cool. Like, how freaking cool. cool is that? Oh, I get I to know. watch a movie with my friends globally. Like, I can literally I drop a link on my Facebook and anybody around the world can join me to watch whatever we're watching. And then we can talk yeah. about it afterwards. Like, yeah. how cool is that? It is really cool. No, I I totally agree with you. I think I'm really just trying to find the positive. Like I'm I'm only thinking positively during this time and I think it is really bringing us all together and that's 
such a powerful thing, especially now in the U.S. with what's going on in the elections and everyone is just so divided. And it's just, I really find this to be just such a, you know, it's a really powerful. And I mean, we're going to remember this moment for the rest of our lives. Like it's a really incredible time. Yeah, I'm totally on the same page. You totally got a lot of stories to tell them, kid. I know, right? (laughs) You know, know, you got the story of how you met the dad, the story of how you did 30 to 30, the story of COVID-19 and how, I mean, your kids are going to be like, mom. Where's the memoir? Where's the memoir? Is it in the works? (laughs) I mean, we'll see. I feel like we all, I mean, you guys too, I mean, have incredible... I know. Yeah, I mean, it's true. Let's pump it out real it's quick. It's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm curious though, when, because so when, you, when you're done with running the marathons, yes. what do you think yes. life is going to be like for you at this point? Because, like, obviously, I'm sure you're going to still run and all that because that feels good. But, yeah. you know, yeah. that compelling vision sort of is completed. So it's like, yeah. have you thought about that? Yes. I, you know, I think six months ago when I was really in the thick of this project, I couldn't imagine not doing, you know, or not extending this project after it finished. Like I sort of wanted to figure out how I could really monetize Run to Reach and, and, you know, make it so it's sort of my new lifestyle. But it's been such a beautiful chapter and I'm almost ready to turn the page to challenge myself in different ways afterwards too. I think I am looking forward to having a normal job afterwards and just having, it's like mostly just having like a stable income, I think would be really good for my sanity. And I also think I've really missed working with people like I I have a small team that sort of helps me coordinate with all these organizations and help you know strategize certain things but it's been hard because I think when I started this project I really knew nothing about how to run a campaign like this and I just I think also when I decided to really go for this I I was just obviously so excited to have this year to travel and and I also sort of assumed it would be really easy to find a sponsor and so all these things that you know I think when people look at my Instagram for example it's like oh Liz just traveling the world running all these races and it's like no this has been absolutely the most stressful like year and a half of my life obviously I've learned so much in the process but working you know being a freelancer and making ends meet it's a lot more challenging than I think most people would see and then also traveling on top of that and it's been such a learning experience but it's also it's been been a challenge in every way like I mentioned before like I also I lived with my husband or before we were married in Japan for four years but for the past year and a half like we've been sort of on different continents all the time on different time zones and we are fairly used to doing this whole long distance thing but I think when I think about ending this project and actually living together again like that to me feels like a very new and amazing thing and I'm also very excited for that chapter as well but um I do hope to do some public speaking after this because I think and that's something that you know I wouldn't say I'm necessarily a natural like you know, a great public speaker, but I think that's something that I want to continue to challenge myself doing. And, you know, I do think we all have great stories to tell. And I think just being able to share them with other people and myself listening to other stories too, it's, it's how I feel like I can personally always grow. I did have a TEDx talk set in place in April that's now postponed until September. So there are like some other things, exciting things that are um, hopefully going to happen. But you know what? I am completely excited for the unknown 
everything is up in the air now, but I just feel excited about it. I think that's been honestly the biggest lesson that I've learned through this whole project is just accepting the unknown. There's only, you know, so much you can plan in your life and and just to be really excited to always make lemonade out of lemons, basically. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, I was literally going to say, as we wrap this up, what would be your message to women out there, you know, to help inspire and empower them? But I think you just did that. You just said that all in that one speech. So, I mean, it's true. You make lemonade out of the lemons that you dealt and and just look at the brighter things. Like you have a lot of things to look forward to, which are so beautiful. Just spending time with your husband. And that is that in itself is I'm sure going to be great just to sleep in and not worry about something, you know, just, yeah. to be, you know, I mean, it's the little things that we don't it is really the little think things, yeah. are big, yes. but no, they're the huge. huge. Just those yes. moments. Sometimes they so, matter yes. more than the big moments, you know? Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. So we look forward to seeing more from you, Liz. And I'm yeah, hoping, you badass. know, badass. Listen, badass, Liz. y'all. Go, go support, <laughs> drop some coins. In her bucket. Thank you so much. And I guess I I would love to mention too, I mean, I'm still figuring out the logistics because again, I know this time right now is just so crazy and it's hard for us to even, I mean, we're hearing a lot of people are going through really tough times now. But I am in the next few weeks uh, launching a final fundraising campaign where I'm going to try to get 2,600 people to donate $26 for my last 26 mile race okay. so i'm just putting that in the open that's beautiful. And, um, send us the link i and hope everything email us to us so yes we can, you know, share yes, yes. Love it. well our audience can find you if you want to know more about liz and her journey be sure to look her up at run to reach.com you can find her on instagram at run to reach and just donate drop in say hello give her some words of encouragement some inspiration share your stories just be involved we're women as women we should support and empower each other, each other. yeah for so, sure Liz, absolutely thank you so much thank for you. being with us today we truly appreciate it and we wish you nothing but the best thank you Liz. and we hope to cross paths one day soon Yes, cool. me too. Thank you Not so, to run, so though, much Liz. again. Not to run. Maybe <laughs> for like dinner or something. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. It's been so much fun. Thank you for tuning in to Chronicles Abroad. Please support us by sharing this podcast through your social media platforms. Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram and hit that like button at Chronicles underscore abroad. Find us online at our website, chroniclesabroad.com for tips, resources, and ways we can collaborate. So don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Until then, beautiful people, thanks for listening. Music by Stephanie James and Almighty K-Rock, produced by Adam Marcus.